My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Hey everyone! After a pretty long hiatus, we are. Back again, so yeah, happy finally June. Yeah, I know. So how have you been? Where you? Can't believe it's June already. I mean, half the year has gone. Mm-hmm. How has it been for you, Debs, with the new house and all? Well, I've completed the how do you say the administrative part of it, meaning you know, um, all the payments been made, the lo- the loan is taken out, and you know, went to HDB to complete the paperwork. And everything. Not not me per se, but the the lawyers that have been appointed by each party to represent the buyer and the seller. But the seller needs a little bit more time to move out of the flat. So I haven't started renovating. So I will only be renovating in July. So that's on the home front. Six months. Um, okay. On the work front, I've resigned uh, my job in um, April. And then I um I just recently joined a new a new uh company that's that's on the work front. <laughs> yeah. So how have you been? I am finally I have finally booked myself a, a trip in uh September. So I haven't I mean I haven't traveled in two years, right? So it feels a bit strange traveling again. Like it's almost as okay. if I don't know what to do or and like what to plan or you know how to go about doing it. Uh, yeah, but I'm really looking forward to the trip. It's a bit far. Okay. It's, it's, I mean, it's a bit far away. It's in September. Uh, and I could definitely do with a holiday soon. Nice. But yeah, okay, I'll wait. Nice. So, where are you? Where did you book your holiday? Where, like, where are you going? I'm going to Germany and then Faroe Islands, wow. Copenhagen. Wow. How long will you be away for? Three weeks. Oh, enough time there? Like, three weeks to cover so many places. Honestly, it sounds a bit tight to me. I mean, it's like one week in, in, in Germany, one week in Faroe Islands, one week in Copenhagen. I I think we just try to cram all the places into the limited amount of time. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, doing the very Singaporean thing, you know, trying to maximize the days that we have. So okay. I, I don't know how it'll go. I think besides like, you know, being able to travel again and having everyone being very excited about, you know, going overseas. One of the other things that have been I guess occupying a lot of Singaporean minds besides you know not having enough chicken recently oh, yes <laughs> yeah but I think the whole you know the market performance you know, the way the market's performing the way inflation is kind of seeping into almost every aspect of our lives that's definitely mm-hmm. one of the things that everyone is very concerned about and I think today we are going to talk a little bit about you know for those of us who have been investing, is this the right time to cash out? You know, but if you're really thinking about cashing out your money, what are some of the reasons or what are some of the scenarios that you might want to cash out, consider cashing out your money? Because I guess it's not a lock in stone kind of rule, right? That once you start investing, you have to lock that money in. I would think not. So I think that's what we are really talking about. And during this time of uncertainty, probably we're also going to talk about some of the 
other new forms of investing we are looking at. Um, just want to say that whatever investment product that we are talking about, again, we're not paid to talk about them. This is not a sponsored podcast. And obviously, you shouldn't take our advice as financial advice. And if you want to try anything, always you know have a chat with your financial advisor or with somebody who is in the know um, about such things, right? So say, for instance, if you want to invest in crypto, do talk to someone who's a little bit more familiar with the space before you put your money into it. So without further ado, let's start on our first topic. So yeah, I want to just talk about how like, you know, everyone's been messaging me and saying that I cashed out at the right time when it, when it comes to my investments. Um, I would like to say that it's not something that's pre-planned. I was just really, I guess, lucky in that way. Um, so just a little bit of context, you know, um, I think before I decided to buy over my neighbor's flat and combine both flats into a jumbo flat, you know, I spoke to Hui Yi, who is also my financial advisor, like, you know, like, should I cash out, you know, that kind of stuff. And I did cash out on my CPF investment to make a down payment for that second flat. Um, and it happened before the market started performing very badly or, you know, before the market took a dip. And, I guess in a way, I kind of protected my profit. So, you know, I, it was fortuitous rather than pre-planned. You know, it's not by design, but somehow a lot of people, you know, are asking, how did you know that when to cash out and stuff like that? So, very, my first question to you today is for people who are, who have invested their CPF, who have started doing, you know, these monthly investing kind of thing, right? Like how good financial advisors will probably advise us to do. You know, is there any good reason or is there any scenarios where, you know, it makes sense to cash out on your investment? Okay, this is a very important question, one that I get quite often. When is a good time to cash out? When is a good time to buy again? The one thing that I need to emphasize again is that it is not the best idea to time the market. Mm. Okay, this is something that Warren Buffett himself says a lot. Okay. He's always cautioning people, investors or, or day traders not to time the market because most of the time we only know the price, like yesterday's price. And if anyone tells you that they can predict how the market is going to perform, I would pretty much say it's a lie. Honestly, I mean, we, we kind of can see like, is the market in a, in a higher place today or like worse performing than uh, six months ago? But no one can accurately tell you whether tomorrow's price will be better than today's price. Mm. Okay, so coming back to your question, if I were to look at NASDAQ, for example, it is down by about okay, 23% from Jan this year. But if I were to look at March 2020, which is when COVID hit, right? It was at a price of like 6,008 something. And now... Is at 12,000 something, which is still double of where we, are, mm. we were at from COVID, which is still, I mean, double is, is 100%, you know. Mm. So I would say, even though we are down from, down 20%, in fact, which is quite a bit from Jen, but we are still doing a lot better from the worst point in 2020. So all things considered, uh, I think the individual investor has to weigh his or her own uh, options and timing. I mean, for you, because you needed the money for the house and your investment was making profit anyway. So if the money is needed, 
I mean, for lack of a better word, it's, it's like no choice. Uh. You just needed the money from somewhere to pay for the house. Okay. Mm. But if the money wasn't needed, the advice that I gave other clients right was to do dollar cost average. Because basically you are buying at a 20% discount and 20% is significant. So why not just take advantage of it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I think coming back to that point, right, I also listened to another podcast called Money for the Rest of Us. So the guy was also talking about how, you know, um, what are some of the situations where it makes sense to cash out on your investment? So obviously, you know, you cash out because you have a life priority to take care of, i.e. I, you want to buy a house, you know, you want to remodel your place or you have something that requires that money. And the second one is that you have reached your target, you know, your investment target, and it makes sense to cash up. I, I can't remember the third one, but yeah, it, I definitely remember that he says that it doesn't make sense if you're just pulling out because the market is performing badly. So I think, you know, another podcast that I would highly recommend our listeners to listen to is definitely Money for the Rest of Us. So go check it out. Yeah, so then the second question that I want to, to, to ask is, you know, how are your investments performing right now if you, if you are comfortable sharing with all of us? Of course, okay. Um, I, most of my investments are in unit trust, okay? Hmm. If I were to focus on, my, on how my unit trust portfolio is doing, it is currently down by about 30%, okay? Because my unit trust investment is largely split into two categories, 100% equity split into the old school tech. Um, so companies like Alphabet, Microsoft, and then the other one is the disruptor tech. Mm. So like Spotify, um, I don't know who else is on the list, Tesla, Teladoc. Okay. And if you have been uh, reading the news, the disruptor tech companies have been down by a lot this year. I, If I recall correctly, it's about 50%. Definitely took a hit. A hit. So... I would say that portfolio is pulling down my entire portfolio, but I'm not too concerned because such cycles happen all the time. I mean, market volatility is something that we can expect moving forward. I can almost say it's going to be a permanent, permanent fixture. So as the market is down, I just continue doing my dollar cost average. And if I have spare cash, then I do a, a one-time top up to either, either of the funds. So yes, to answer your question, I'm, my portfolio is down by about 30% to date. I guess, you know, it does differ from individual to individual. You know, when your portfolio does take a beating, if that is not going to cause you to lose sleep, then obviously we can sort of still continue with our lives and hope that the market starts improving and stuff like that, right? But do you have any clients who, like, you know, the portfolio takes a beating and this is actually a concern for them monetarily speaking? Okay, for most of my, my clients, because I constantly remind them, right, that the money that they use for investment should mm. not be part of their emergency fund, right? Okay, uh, so they will always set aside sufficient emergency funds that will not go into investments. Mm. Okay, so, so that's, it, that's it. My pool of clients who have, who have invested and are making a loss right now, it's money that they don't need for, for their day-to-day expense. So they have the, the flexibility to ride out the volatility. And in fact, I guess because my clients have been working with me for 
quite some time, right? And they've also been through the big market cycles, like mm-hmm. it, uh, and previously it was uh, subprime. They have the confidence to know that when the market is down, it will eventually go up, and when mm. it's, it will come down again. So, um, I guess to the more seasoned investor, they are quite used to these market cycles. So, most of my clients are not too jumpy at this point. Mm. Um, but do you have any friends who could be jumpy or like from past personal experience, you know, like if somebody is rightly concerned about, you know, that their money is taking a beating and it, it's going to affect them paying bills, paying their children's school fees and things like that. What are some remedial actions you recommend they can take? Wow. I mean, if you're talking about it's going to affect them paying bills or paying children's school fees, right? Then my mm. immediate reaction or question will be, why wasn't the emergency fund set aside sufficiently? You know, it always okay. comes back to that because the whole point of the emergency fund, right, is so that when the market tanks, you do not have to sell at a loss to pay for your daily expenses. Mm. Okay, so so basically, if the financial planning or the investment planning was done well, the client will not be worse off. In fact, I often advise clients to set aside this opportunity fund Okay. Which is when markets tank, like let's say right now, then they can activate the, the opportunity fund and cash in now when prices are lower. Okay. Mm. But coming back to what you said, if that particular individual is so affected by the current market downturn and cannot afford uh, to pay the children's school fees or like mortgage or stuff like that, right? Then definitely I would advise the client to stop the investments. If the investment is not tied to, let's say, a 25 year, or 20 mm. year, you know, some the older savings plans have yeah. this long-term uh, commitment. Mm-hmm. And if they stop it, they may suffer a loss. Yeah. But if the client's, if the client's uh, monthly investment is flexible enough, like what you have, where you can just stop any time with no uh, penalty to mm. your existing investment, then I will say stop it and just mm. focus on the, the near-term fire. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that you brought up the point about opportunity funds. So from your point of view, right, how, like, is there a percentage of your monthly income that should go towards an opportunity fund? How do you start building up an opportunity fund? Um, so this is a very delicate balance, if you were to ask me, okay? Because on, on one mm-hmm. hand, you need your emergency funds, okay? And I mean, textbook is like 6 to 12 months, right, of your income, right? And then... Um, to set aside the emergency fund, sorry, the uh, opportunity fund, you will have to balance that against the very low interest rates that the, the banks are paying. Mm. Okay, so I'm a bit hesitant to say what percentage or what absolute value for the individual mm-hmm. person because it also varies according to how much income you're making and what kind of responsibilities you have. Okay, so for example, if, if you're the sole breadwinner and you have two kids, and your mm-hmm. spouse is also relying on you, the, the percentage to set aside will be very different from someone who is single and the only person taking care of or having to take care of is yourself. Yep. So, I mean, the, the finer details of how much to set aside or to budget for emergency fund or for opportunity fund, this one, please speak to your, your trusted <coughs> advisor who mm-hmm. will give you a better number. Oh, right. So that's great. I mean, like um, the whole opportunity fund, emergency fund, 
yeah, I, I personally have some issues with that. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous laughter. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Debs, uh, I'm mm. curious to know, do you okay. set aside an opportunity fund for yourself? Oh my goodness. Okay. So, as our listeners probably know by now, like Hui Yu is probably the more disciplined, you know, the person who is more disciplined with her money. And I'm the person who like, you know, lives life by the moment or something like that, right? Okay, so first of all, I think my situation has always been a little bit more spontaneous or I don't know. I, I don't know if spontaneous is a good word for that. But okay, so this year has been interesting in that, first of all, the markets are performing badly. Then there is the Russian and Ukrainian war happening. And then that caused like some, that was really inflation. But that war did not help the whole, you know, consumer uh, price index and standard of living kind of thing. And then, you know, there's all these other things that have come into the mix, right? And on top of that, personally speaking, I decided to buy, you know, my, my neighbor's flat. And then after that, mm, nice. resign from my job. I don't know why it always happens. Like how, you know, every time I, I move, I also have to change job or something. They're not linked, I, but it just so happened that they always happen at the same time. So for me, it's almost like as if there is no predictability when it comes to how I manage my money. Obviously, when I settle into my new job and it's, you know, life resumes some kind of momentum, then that's when, you know, we will see, oh, Jeff is a little bit more disciplined with, yeah, on track with her investment and her savings and things like that. But during times like this, when my life is kind of in a flux, I have to say that it's been challenging. First of all, I cashed out on my entire CPF investment, you know, uh, with Huiyu, right, to make up the down payment for the second flat. And then secondly, I also cashed out on my cash investment, also with Huiyu, to pay off for my renovation. And then after that, you know, um, the market isn't doing well. So obviously, my investment with a, like platforms like Stash Away, Size, and Dawas have taken a beating too. All in all, it sounds like my life is in a pretty dire strait right now, which is why we're talking about how I can get back on track <laughs> with my investment, right? So, okay. So first of all, there are a few layers to unpack here. Okay. So first of all, I cashed out. I managed to make some big ticket purchases. Um, secondly, I resigned and I think I'll probably have to go one month without a salary because I took a month's break while waiting to start my new, new job. And then after that, um, I have cashed out on my investment in Dash Away. Okay. Um, to sort of also make up the cash component of my down payment. I have not touched my investment on size and, um, and dollars. Um, but it doesn't mean that it might not happen. I just don't know yet. But when you say opportunity fund and how you build up the opportunity fund and you still have to bear in mind the low interest rate that your bank, you know, that the bank savings account gives you, right? It's really interesting that you said because I recently discovered something interesting. It's a platform that gives you a higher yield than your bank savings account. Um, it's about, it, they say it's up to 5.65% APY, but the average is around 5.5 and that kind of thing. So I re, I, so last month, um, I put $10,000 into that particular platform. Um, also because they were giving a bonus of 250 if you put $10,000. 
So I put $10,000 to get that 250 bonus. And at the same time, every day it was yielding some about a dollar fifty kind of interest, which is more than what your bank savings account is giving Definitely. you, you know? Yes. So, so far, after one month of being on that platform, I've earned about close to $300 on wow. $10,000 of savings. Wow, from a month? For a month. But that's including wow. the bonus of two hundred and fifty. Ah, yeah. okay, okay, got it, got it. So, okay, okay. And it's a relatively new platform. So they have been doing like monthly bonus payout. So this month apparently if you increase your savings by about two thousand five, I think they will give you fifty dollar bonus as well. So this is a early startup, fintech startup, and they have been, you know, I think trying to grow their user base. One thing to note is that what they do is they invest in the DeFi protocol. So it's crypto, you know, they do stable coins. It's not Terra and Luna, just so we are clear here. And the money, your yield and your principal is insured. So they do work with an insurance company to sort of insure your savings and the yield that you've gotten from, you know, putting your money into this platform. So I must say this has been quite an interesting experiment. And I do see this is where I could park my opportunity fund. So so say for instance, I'm parking my opportunity fund here, earning about you know 5.5 APY while I wait for a better opportunity to come before I shift that fund. But for those of you who are who are not feeling very confident around stable coins because of the terror lunar thing happening and the DeFi protocols and things like that. Maybe this is something you want to do a bit more research on. But this company, they are making it easy for the crypto newbies, so to say, to benefit financially from the whole crypto market without you having to be very well-versed in crypto. So this platform, in case you're interested in checking it out, is called Dizzy. So it's D-E-Z-Y. Go check it out. Make your own conclusion. But I have found that it's a good way to earn some healthy interest rather than parking my money in my savings account. And then when it comes to emergency fund, obviously, I'm very bad at holding on to an emergency fund simply because every time I build up something substantial in my emergency fund, I get a bit itchy and I go, oh, maybe this is time to buy a new car. Oh, Oh, dear. My emergency fund is almost like a shopping fund. (laughs) Like I build it up only to get tempted and to like, you know, so... When I build up my emergency, the last emergency fund that I build up, you know, I saw that I had a healthy uh, amount of money in there. And that's when I thought, oh, maybe this is time to buy new property. And my neighbor came knocking on my door and said, hey, would you like to buy our flat? And I go, yes, why not? And hence, this rabbit hole of spending money happens, right? So, yes, I'm starting to build up my emergency fund again with my new job. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, I get back on track. And then one of the things that I I think one of the things that I notice about myself during these times of uncertainty is that I I try to improve on my liquidity. So meaning more cash on hand. So with that cash on hand, I try not to go all in, but it's also an opportunity to sort of explore different investment products. So one of the other things that I have been exploring is uh, this platform called CrowdQ. C R O-W-D, crowd for crowded, and cube, C-U-B-E, so crowd, cube, one word. So basically, this is about European startups 
So if you sign up, you get verified, you can sort of read up on the different types of startups that are looking to raise money in exchange for shares. So say, for instance, there is a fintech that is looking to raise money. So they will tell you that, okay, each share that you know you take part in, if you take part in this round of funding, each share is about £13. So how many shares do you want to buy? So I said, I want to buy 10 shares. So then, you know, when the, the funding goes through, then I own 10 shares of this fintech, which may become a unicorn in two or three years' time, which may IPO in five or six years' time. I don't know. But this is, again, I think an interesting way for you to use your opportunity fund if you have one. Like, you know, you want to sort of get in early on certain startups that you feel could be potentially profitable. And then, you know, you kind of want to sort of try and put in a real mind. I wouldn't say put in your life saving because like, you know, we said a few episodes ago, right? Like venture capital is patience capital. So you may not even be looking at a return in five or six years time. That's just really optimistic of me. So if let's say you do put in that money, don't expect to see a return on your investment for at least 10 years, I would say. So if you're curious and you've always wanted to see, oh, you know, who is the next Revolut? Can I get in early and see if I can like get some shares out of this, right? So go go have a look at it. So these are the two things that I've been exploring in the past month with um with that little bit of cash that I have on hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, but, but can I just clarify something at this point uh, mm. for our listeners there? Um, when, I, when I talk about opportunity funds, right? The funds have to be relatively liquid. Mm. So ideally in a bank somewhere, even though the interest rates are close to nothing. Okay, why I feel the need to highlight this is because if the money is, let's say, in crowd queue already, and mm. like you said, the horizon is like 10 years if you're lucky, mm. then essentially the money is still stuck there. And yeah. you have no access when the mm. opportunity strikes. And yeah. it will kind of be missing the, the point or the opportunity. Yeah. So, okay, so, so for CrowdCube, is not where you put your opportunity fund. So I would yes. say that, you know, if you have an opportunity fund and you're looking for something to go into, then CrowdCube could be some. But definitely don't expect liquidity, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. So okay, mm-hmm. so to repeat what Debs just said, uh, if mm-hmm. you have the opportunity fund and you're looking for somewhere to park the, the money from the opportunity fund, Crowdcube is one option, but we are not advertising. We're not paid to mm. talk about Crowdcube. So please do your own research before yeah. investing your money. But if let's say, for instance, you, like me, for instance, I'm always like on about how banks' interest rates are just laughable. If you are comfortable, you know, Dizzy is also something that you might want to park some money because you can withdraw and you can put in like a regular bank account and you get a higher interest rate and stuff like that. So again, we're not paid to talk about Dizzy, but this is some I'll recommend Dizzy to you, but this is something that I'm trying out. And if you're curious about how it works, go find out more for yourself. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing with my money. But definitely, I feel like that's a very important question I have to ask you. So, you know, I've cashed out on my CPF investment and even my cash investment on uh, IFAS, which is what you've been using with me, right? Now, if I want to get back into, if I want to get back on track with my investment, right, what, what is your advice to me? Like, do I, is it, am I back at zero? Am I totally screwed because I have cashed out or something like that? What, what, what is your advice to me as a friend and as my financial advisor? 
Okay, so for, for our listeners, right, uh, you can probably tell that Debs is quite adventurous in how she <laughs> invests her money, you know, like trying out all these new platforms like uh, DZ or Crowdcube. Okay, for, for me, I'm a lot lazier. And maybe because I'm in the industry, so I'm a lot prudent. I'm a lot prudent. Yes, a lot more prudent, yeah. a lot more wary <laughs> about platforms <laughs> that are too new. Because I have mm. seen many clients who try out new platforms and then they find out that it's not approved by MAS and the money gets frozen until mm. the case goes to court. I mean, I have a client who's, who's currently going through that right now and she's got 50K stuck in wow. the platform that she cannot access. Uh, yeah, so that's so, I mean, it's, it's quite unfortunate. Um, to answer your question on whether you are screwed, you, you are not screwed. I don't know why <laughs> you are so doom and gloom about your situation. <laughs> I think, okay, life events like having a child, buying a new house or expanding your house, which is your, your case right now, it happens. Mm. And when such major events happen, people do cash out. And I think that's what the, the flexible investments are for, you know, it's for these expensive events that take place. So I think you needed to cash out and you were making a profit when you cashed out. So why not? You want to start again with your new job and the pay increment. I think it's great. Uh, yes, you will be starting at close to zero, but I think the time is working to your benefit. Because like okay. I said, compared to the start of the year, markets are down by about 20%. Yeah, so basically, you're going in at a 20% discount, which is great. Yay! Hey, yeah, the question okay. is, yeah, yeah. That so, good. <laughs> the question to you is, uh, when would you want to start? Or like, you know, like you want to mm. wait for your first paycheck, you want to you want to wait until you build your emergency fund and your opportunity funds again, or yeah, re- really the ball is in your court. And I think this year, or at least um, this quarter, or no, actually we're at June already, right? So the next quarter, Q3, will still be a good time for mm. you to start. And for those of you who are already investing, I think it's a good time to continue with your dollar cost average. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Because the markets yeah. are still volatile. I think the dollar cost average thing also works even in crypto. I mean, this is again not a advertise, not an advertisement for crypto, right? But I saw on Facebook the other day, like this video, like somebody's asking this millionaire. I don't know whether for sure he's a millionaire. Okay, always take these things with a pinch of salt, my dear listeners. So basically, you know, the 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 interviewer was asking him like, oh, so. Um, what is the advice you have for people today because you're a millionaire? What's the advice you know that kind of stuff? And he's like, start buying Bitcoin. Like he's saying that buy it bit by bit. Don't don't you know? So even if it's um one dollar every day, ten dollars a week, just buy it bit by bit. He says he's definitely bullish still about Bitcoin. You know, despite the recent like hit in Bitcoin value, but I think that also is about dollar cost averaging. Because he's not asking you to put in like $100,000 into Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, and hoping that, you know, in two months' time, Bitcoin value will go 300% and you will become a gajillionaire overnight, right? What he's saying is that this is this is something that we still don't know whether it's going to be, uh, you know, whether it's going to make a regular you know presence in our lives. But as a new technology, as something that has been around for almost 10 years now, maybe it does make sense for you to sort of, you know, buy, you know, using dollar cost, the principle of dollar cost averaging to maybe slowly build up your crypto portfolio, right? And yeah, so so that's something to definitely think about. And 
So I think we've come to the end of this episode. So for those of you who are looking to sort of, you know, get back on your, get back on track when it comes to investing your money or, you know, struggling with whether you should or should not be cashing out, etc. We hope some of the things that we shared on this episode have been useful for you. Again, let us just uh, emphasize that we have not been paid by anybody to recommend any products on this on this podcast and everything that we talk about. We have tried it personally. And, you know, um, if you're curious, you know, feel free to drop us a note. You know, if you want us to share more of our experience with you on platforms like Dizzy and Crowdcube, you know, or even ask Huey about what IFAS is all about, for example. And, you know, let's say you are curious about other kind of investment, like whiskey investment, art investment, wine investment. Let us know. Drop us a note so that we can do that research on your behalf and share it with you on an episode in the future, right? Yep. So, happy June holidays. <laughs> yeah, happy June holidays for all of you. And uh, we hope to see you again soon in July. July? Yep. Yeah, but... Hey, wait, wait, wait. So, what is our email address? Is everyone, if somebody's interested in asking us some questions? Good girls talk about money at gmail.com. And there you have it. So, goodbye, everybody. Happy June holiday. Bye.